Hello, this is Father John Arnold, and this is Oro Valley Catholic. And this weekend, we're celebrating the Nativity of the Lord. We know it is Christmas, the day that we remember that the infinite God became finite man. Why is it important to think about Christmas that way? We Catholics believe that God, who has no beginning and no end, became man in order to share divine life with human beings. Uh, the ancient adversary to Christianity is known historically as Gnosticism. It's still amongst us as the New Age. The idea that the human person, by just the use of their imagination, can come up with eternal truth. This is rampant in American culture. The idea that there's nothing that precedes the human being. Every human being, by virtue of their existence, or so the American myth goes, can decide for themselves what life means. Can you imagine that? You weren't born into a family or a culture or an interstate highway system. Shakespeare doesn't have any role to play in how you were formed as a human being. No, you get to choose everything for yourself. You get to take yourself to ground zero and lift yourself up by your own bootstraps. Absolute nonsense. That, however, is Gnosticism. The idea that you can keep making it up, coming up with these esoteric, secret ways of understanding. It isn't a denizen of the second century after our Lord's birth. This is a constancy of human uh, imagination in the human predicament. But you know, in the American culture, uh, it is just inscribed into our law, the idea that every human being gets to decide for themselves whatever that is they want their life to be. This supposedly is the touchstone of true freedom, but it is not. It is one endless shackle after another. You can't be whatever you want. You're just a finite creature. And accepting that is to accept the possibility that you need help, that you're broken and you can't fix yourself. And there's nobody that can fix you. If you've known anybody that struggled with mental illness, addiction, or just the temptation of sin, you know that you need some help. And what we need is God. Other human beings are also broken. How can one broken toaster fix another broken toaster? Well, today we're going to talk about Gnosticism, the New Age, and the great Saint Irenaeus before we turn to the various Gospels for Christmas and the mystery of the Incarnation of Christ. And so, stay tuned. So, Gnosticism. You know, the word Gnosticism may not be familiar to you, but the word gnosis in Greek is the root of our word for knowledge. So Gnosticism, gnosis, means knowledge. But what happens when you pretend to understand secret knowledge, knowledge that other people don't have? You become part of the Illuminati, the enlightened ones, the elite the ones who really know what's going on. And then when you are uh, 
brought into that through a series of initiations, you can raise yourself up to higher levels. Think about um, the Masonic order where you have different levels of enlightenment or there are other religions that are not particularly Christian that allow you into different levels of secrecy. For Catholics, we do not have secret knowledge. Our teaching has always been public. And it's St. Irenaeus is the first one that points it out. How public are Catholics? Read the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There is no secret knowledge that is not in there. It's for everybody. And that's why when someone comes up to say to you, well, I know what Catholics teach, and it's always some weird thing you've never heard, ask them to show it to you in the Catechism. And then you can actually have something objective to talk about. Because the basic difference between Catholicism, the New Age, and Gnosticism is this whole understanding of public teaching that is for everybody, that's Catholic, or this secret world of crystals and initiation. This is the modern version of Gnosticism. But let's go back to the second century, to the time of St. Irenaeus, who are really, really bringing out and understanding what Catholicism is. St. Irenaeus, who lived from the middle to the end of the second century after Jesus, was actually born in the East, came to Rome, so he talks about the early Roman church, and then became the bishop of what is now Lyon in modern France. Irenaeus's claim to understanding comes not from secret knowledge, but he said that Polycarp was his teacher as a young man, and Polycarp himself was taught by the apostle St. John. And so Irenaeus points out the importance of the apostolic foundations of the church. He said there are basically three legs that the church stands on. Uh, the scriptures, the apostolic succession, uh, which is teaching authority, and um, then the apostolic tradition. So we get scripture, tradition, and authority from St. Irenaeus. And he held up in his book three of his Against the Heresies, the reality of the Roman church, with which all other churches must agree in teaching, even though it's not an administrative core of Christianity in the second century. Um, it wasn't over until Rome spoke to say yes or no to what orthodoxy was. But Gnosticism was very different from that. Irenaeus first came across it, at least in his book, The Heresies, in Rome, where he talks about the Marcionists and the Valentinians. The Valentinians don't seem to be that successful in Gnostic sect, but the Marcionists, they lasted for a while. And so here's some general knowledge about ancient Gnosticism. In every Gnostic system, there's uh, two opposing forces, the good God and the bad God. So for Marcion, the bad God was the God of the Old Testament. The good God is, is Jesus, but he's not really God. He's a teacher that God sent. Um, think of, if you know anything about Platonic philosophy, about the transcendence that you can never understand. But then there's this whole series of emanations from this noose, this mind that's above all things. Aristotle would call it the demiurge. 
And, but there's these, all these intermediate steps to you get down to Jesus who teaches you how to escape the burden of material existence, to leave your body behind and live this disembodied, happy life together with the source of all life. Sounds kind of like Christianity because Gnosticism basically populates Christian ideas but changes it because it does two important moves. Number one, it rejects public teaching. Number two, they always reject the resurrection and the body. Why? Because the God of the material world is the evil God. It's the God of the spiritual world that is the good God. And this is the basis for Catholicism's aversion to some kinds of dualisms, a dualism that posits that good and evil are, are uh, kind of opposites, uh, like the yin and the yang, two things that mar work against each other. You see these modern I these ideas even in modern times. But it's this mutual hostility between the good God and the bad God that what marks Gnosticism, no matter what words are used even in the modern age. Look for the dualism where good and evil are posited against each other, or there is no good and evil. It's just two forces are working against each other. This is always secret knowledge. And so usually it involves one of them is good, the other malicious. It's light and dark, good and evil, war and peace, body and spirit, male and female, so on. Um, I used to have a law partner that said women were another species, but the answer is, is no. Uh, women are men together are the image of God. This is Christianity. But these Gnostic systems have to provide some way for you to escape this world of warfare. And so dualism uh, is this way out. You have to get a teacher of light. You know, this is what St. Augustine fell into when he fell amongst the Manichaeans. Folks, because the Manichaeans were another form of Gnosticism, and that's three centuries after St. Irenaeus. You'd think it would be over after the uh, Against the Heresies was written by St. Irenaeus. But here we are. So what did St. Irenaeus do? St. Irenaeus stressed how our bodies become a means of salvation. So the sacramental system, that baptism makes us part of Christ, the Eucharist, confirmation, all of these signs are bodily signs. Think about some of the tendencies in Protestant Christianity which undermines the sacramental economy and replaces it just with the knowledge of Scripture. There is some kind of force that wants to undermine the importance of Christmas when God became man. For St. Irenaeus, relying again on St. Paul and on our Blessed Lady, he is the one that helps to kind of unpack St. Paul's insights in 1 Corinthians and Romans that Jesus was the new Adam. And so because St. Irenaeus is fundamentally a Catholic, he is the first one that describes Mary as the new Eve, the necessary corollary of the saving power of God. 
That is, Eve brought the fall into the world. Mary brings salvation into the world. That's why we Catholics rightfully are devoted to our Blessed Lady. So here's a quote from Against the Heresies and about Mary as the new Eve and how God uses men and women's bodies to bring about salvation. Quote, But Eve was disobedient, for she did not obey when as yet she was a virgin. And even as she, having indeed a husband, Adam, but being nevertheless as yet a virgin, having become disobedient, was made the cause of death, both to herself to the entire human race. So also did Mary, having a man betrothed to her, and being nevertheless a virgin, by yielding obedience, became the cause of salvation, both to herself and the whole human race, thus indicating the recapitulation from Mary to Eve, because what is joined together cannot otherwise be put asunder than by inversion of the process by which these bonds of union had arisen, so that the former ties be canceled by the latter, that the latter set, may set the former again at liberty. And it has in fact happened that the first compact looses from the second tie, that is, the, that the second tie takes the position of the first, which has been canceled, the second tie being Mary, the first tie being Eve, and that Mary undoes, does what Eve does. Recapitulation is like a final argument. It's restating something. And a lawyer might restate an argument. But Jesus, um, who is the second person of the Trinity, comes to undo the bondage of sin. We Catholics are familiar with this. But that isn't Jesus in any of these uh, Gnostic sects. Gnosticism will always re re reduce Jesus to just another wise teacher, like 19th century scripture scholars who basically tried to disembowel uh, Christianity through that same move that Marcion made, the Manichees made. And you know who else, we'll talk about him in another podcast, is Bishop Arius, who wanted to reduce Jesus to, well, like Hercules, another demigod, or Sarpedon, uh, a son of, of, the, of God, but not himself God because of eternity. You know, just a little cultural awareness. What do you think the whole Avenger thing is about? You know, Captain America, the Black Widow, Iron Man, all these technological approaches uh, to creating these demigods, these mythic creatures which fight against evil and try to restore good. But you know, they, they never have a final victory. It's because they and evil are like opposing forces. Here's what St. Irenaeus brings based on the Christmas story. And he, it's, the Christmas story is shot throughout his book against the heresies from the second, or late second century. Irenaeus stressed there's one God, not two. You see, when you say there's one God, you have to come up with another explanation for evil. So for human beings, the evil is not in the stars. The evil is not in the divine. The evil's in us. Public teaching, not secret knowledge. This one God sent his son to reveal the truth who in turn sends the church, who publicly teaches the revelation of God. And that revelation is the person of Christ. And that person of Christ is embodied in scripture, tradition, and apostolic succession. 
the authority of Christ's teaching on earth. It's why Jesus in the Gospels sends his apostles out with authority because, as Irenaeus points out, they have authority. Please do not ignore this. Uh, Marcion denied the body and the resurrection. Irenaeus affirmed them both. So Marcion would talk about elite knowledge. Irenaeus, public knowledge. So as you think about these uh, tensions between public and secret, uh, between one God and, and uh, the fallen nature of the human being, be attentive to all the ways that American culture tries to make you and me and every other human being, especially the wealthy, as somehow the arbiters of what reality is. Um, the great fight against evil, which has given us Americans, America's never-ending wars, uh, starting in the 20th and continuing into the 21st century. Why? Because if we just deploy the Marine Corps, the armies, we will undo evil. Friend, it's like taking a fly swatter to swat the devil. It's a category mistake. The real enemy is sin. This is from St. Irenaeus. And so here's a couple uh, solid takeaways before we turn to the gospel. First, yes, you are your body. Second, you may hear all these conspiracy theories, especially in the church, about these small little groups that are active, that are running everything. This is always the temptation of Gnosticism. You want to look at disarray in the church? We don't need small conspiracies. What we need to understand is sin and corruption is in the church because it's in humanity. It's not a reason to leave the church. It is a reason to live faithful lives. And all of this stuff um, of Gnosticism is really rooted back in Plato. Um, and the idea that there is this spiritual world, we're trapped in this physical world, and just if we die, everything will be better. Uh, no, uh, the truth is, is that heaven begins here on earth. The choices I make are what form me. God can give me a new body that will not get old with bad knees. He can't give me a new soul. And that's why care of the soul is so important. And so Irenaeus is often quoted as saying, the glory of God is the human person fully alive. So this Christmas, as we think about the Gospels, let's give glory to God by the choices we make over Christmas. Now let's see how the Gospels support St. Irenaeus. You know, we Americans, we, we love infinity. We want a, an economy that endlessly grows. We want a stock market that endlessly goes up. We want endless consumer products, endless creativity. And you know what we find is you can't bring infinity from the finite. Um, it's like uh, hoping for new Hollywood movies. Basically, they're just a remake of everything that's gone before. You know what's original? What's original is the gospel. The story of the gospel is never told before. And so the gospels that we have over Christmas, these gospels are all originals. And so we're going to go through all four gospels because we have one for the vigil mass, one for mass at night, like the midnight mass, one for mass at dawn, and one for mass for Christmas Day. But since you'll probably only go to one, 
I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of all four, confident that you've already heard them before. So let's talk about them from the context of God became man in order that man might share in, in God. Not that some demiurge or spiritual being was sent to show us how to escape from, from materiality. Instead, the infinite pours itself into the finite so that we can understand in our finite existence, which has a beginning and end, the beauty of God in heaven. This is Christmas. It's not something that just happened 2,000 years ago. God is pouring his infinite grace into you now so that your finite nature might share and participate in the beauty of God, but never leave behind your body and all these gifts of materiality. So, St. Matthew, the Vigil Mass, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, and as you know, both Luke and Matthew have a genealogy that shows that Jesus is part of the human race. The whole point of it is he's born into a family in a time. He doesn't create himself. He is the uncreated God that comes into the human family. And in that human family, you have people like, uh, oh my gosh, you have Rahab, the, the prostitute from Jericho that became the mother of, of the important leaders in Israel. You have Ruth, who is the grandma of, of uh, King David, and she was one of the enemy Moabites. In short, in Matthew's genealogy, Jesus comes into sinful, broken humanity. So the fact that there's corruption in humanity, corruption in the church, this is what Jesus comes for. He doesn't run away from it. We run away from it. A Christian runs into a burning building. The unbeliever, they always run thinking they can just find it for themselves because they are just better than all of this. To run away from the church is to run away from your own sinfulness and your need for God. So the night mass, especially midnight mass, for you courageous Christians that will attend. And it's a gospel from Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. And then we know it follows from there. There's no room for them in the inn. So Mary gives birth to Jesus in a manger, a place where animals eat because he himself would become the bread of life. But how about that first part? That it happens in a particular time, a particular space, a particular guy named Quirinius was the governor. Joseph was from a particular town and went to another particular town. That it's not just the finiteness of the human person. It's the material finiteness of the created world. God takes his place in a particular place in time. And so what G.K. Chesterton used to call chronological snobbery. Is it better that we make something up on Thursday? It's more true than something that was taught on Monday? And the answer is, is no. 
If it's true on Monday, it's true on Thursday. And so what the story of Christmas is at night is that Jesus comes like a stealth fighter into the quiet of a particular world at a particular time. But then the sun comes up and we have mass at dawn. And this is the part where the angels give us the glory. glory. Remember, we'll sing it at Christmas. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. It's particularly appropriate at Christmas because it's the song of the angels welcoming Jesus' birth. And so they go to these little shepherds. One of my favorite memories is spending a midnight um, on Christmas Eve on the Shepherd's Hill looking back towards the town of Bethlehem and a priest from Notre Dame offered mass for us. I was on a pilgrimage over there when I was in the seminary. And you could hear all the noise over there in Bethlehem of the celebrations. We sat in the ruins of an old basilica, a Byzantine church, and we celebrated midnight mass together. And so the lowly, the shepherds, the outliers, these are the first ones to whom the beauty of the incarnation is announced to. Do you remember Mary in Luke, the Magnificat? My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit uh, rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon his servant in her lowliness. And from now, all generations will call me blessed. It's not just Mary that's blessed, though she is the one full of grace. It's you and me and these shepherds, the shepherds, the lowly ones, the ones that are in so many ways don't count in the machinations of the powerful. Um, yeah, we all have some power in our life, but all of us also understand that this world is kind of going along under its own power. For the Gnostic, it what gives the power to their conspiracy theories, whether these Catholics on these various channels on YouTube or other places, talking about these dark forces within the church. We recognize sin is always rampant in the world around us. While Luke is there uh, talking about the shepherds, King Herod's plotting the death of this child. So, yeah, good and evil work in this world. But God's intentions, God's intentions have been announced to us. This is what Irenaeus's point is about scripture, tradition, uh, and the authority of the apostolic succession. You know, he's the first one, St. Irenaeus, that gives us a list of the bishops of Rome, the 12 that existed at the time that he had uh, was writing against the heresies. He wanted to show that there was this succession in teachers. It's where our understanding of the apostolic succession comes from and the authority of the bishops. So if you believe that, why would you run away from the bishops? Why wouldn't you listen to them? At least you would know what the authority of the church had to say. And then, friends, you have a choice to make, whether you're going to make it up for yourself or you're going to try in faith to follow. This is the great conundrum of every Christian because it is so much easier to make it up for our, ourselves. I always like to point out if uh, God thinks the same way as you do, maybe it's not God you believe in. And that brings us to the final reading for Christmas. And it's from God, the Gospel of John, Mastering the Day. And everybody remembers this one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him. 
and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He sent a man named John, and then John continues. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we saw his glory. The glory is of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Okay, you can understand why the Gnostics would see this spiritual reality that's taken on a flesh sack. But that is not what John's Gospel is saying. It is that that which is uncreated, that which is infinite, has poured itself into a human person in order to reveal himself to us and to lift us up. This is Orthodox Christianity. And so this phrase, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, literally tabernacled amongst us, and we saw his glory. The glory is of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Isn't that interesting that the Greek for dwelling is tabernacled? And that's why we have tabernacles where he continues to dwell amongst us as Eucharist. When Jesus rises from the dead, he doesn't leave us. He disappears into the mission of the church. This is the point of St. Irenaeus. So the four Gospels uh, for Christmas about God takes on our family. God comes in a time and a place and a space. God reaches out to those that don't matter, the little ones and that he impours his infinite nature into humanity so that he can swallow up our corruptibility into his incorruptibility, which was, of course, St. Irenaeus's point. One of our great teachers. So why don't we pull all this together in the exciting conclusion to this episode of Oral Valley Catholic. The real meaning of Christmas the infinite lifts up the finite to share in divine nature. Ewan's perfectly captured in the opening prayer for the Mass we'll all celebrate this weekend at Christmas. Listen to the collect from the beginning of Mass. Let us pray. O God, who wonderfully created the dignity of human nature and still more wonderfully restored it, grant, we pray, we may share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The, not, the Gnostic, the New Age devotee, they think they're free if they get to make it up for themselves. All they do is create a small little box to live in that just gets smaller and smaller. Real freedom is entering into the gospel of Jesus Christ and all the ways that it frees us from the finiteness of our understanding. We've been given a vision of reality, a reality infused with the Holy Spirit. So this Christmas, celebrate the Christ child. Celebrate him, especially when you receive the Eucharist, and that your sinful humanity is lifted up into the divine reality of the God who is love. To you and yours, Merry Christmas from Oral Valley Catholic.